0: This is the Misdirected Mark Podcast, a podcast about gaming, game mastering, and entertaining you, our listeners. We are explicit that you have been warned, and I'd like to thank Mike Willard for letting us use his music at our show. Now let's pick up those mics and get on with this thing.
1: Okay, so we've tried this for like six turns and failed.
0: what? right, well, I'll overwatch for you. Take a shot.
1: All right, I'm gonna take careful aim here. Let's see. Uh, I got a 2d10 plus five. All right, I got a 15.
0: Hmm.
2: Okay. Okay. Hang on. Hang on. Um, yep, that's gonna hit. Way to go.
1: Um, wait a minute. Didn't a 16 miss
2: two turns ago? Uh yeah, but like there've been some situational changes in like the last two turns. So um, your 15 totally hits.
0: At least we finally hit it. I thought the scene was never gonna end.
2: Yeah, that wasn't gonna
0: happen. And with that. Welcome to the 403 first episode of the Misdirected Mark podcast. Tonight we're going to discuss the pros and cons of fudging dice in your tabletop role-playing games. Along the way, you'll take your comments, suggestions, and examples live in the chat room for life on Twitch before jumping into the after show. But first, my name is Jerry. My name is Phil.
1: And I am Old Man Logan. Welcome again to the Misdirected Mark podcast. And welcome to our <laughs> temperature
2: check segment. Let's see how everybody's feeling. Phil. Uh, I have cleared quarantine. Yay. I have served my 10 days at home, stayed out of uh, uh, the general populace. Uh, I am still, I, well, I am now, I feel fine. So I was asymptomatic before, still feel fine. Uh, mental health wise, uh, I'm doing better today. I was starting to lose it at the end of, uh, at the end of quarantine, um, like big bout of depression. But uh, I took Monday off. I'll talk about it more in the community corner to get some stuff done. But uh, definitely feeling better. That's me. How about you, Bob? Uh, Yeah, I am.
1: uh, I'm rocking a solid, uh, solid average still, Um, chugging along. Not, uh, not super high, not super low. So middle of the road. Yay,
0: (laughs) Jerry. Feeling pretty good. Um, Just had a good weekend, having a decent week. Um, Feeling much better. The the, up and down weather, the always causes me to get sniffly and sneezy and all that. But I'm used to it. Um, Got enough sleep this weekend, so I feel good. So I'm ready for to take everything on this week, so bring it on.
1: All right. Good times. Okay. All right. Yeah. That'll roll us into the one thing. We're gonna kind of push through these things at a at a semi-rapid pace because we got a big show tonight. So uh, Very big I show tonight. I did not put anything in the one thing. Why did I
2: uh yours sale. should be Bill's game.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, watching football. You know, it's uh, it's football season and I love watching football. And the Bills beat the crap out of their opponent again this week. So,
0: yay. That was a good one. Good times. What about you, Jerry? We have a problem. Uh, We played Knights Black Agents this weekend. Uh, We played it online uh, because our GM was in quarantine. um, And it worked really well. We had a good time. Um, Played very well online. we got a really good group of players. And uh, it was just fun to get back to role-playing games again. I haven't done a lot of them in the last three, four months. And uh, Knights Black Agents is a great game. And uh, we got a chance to kind of flex our our, our skills and see how the game actually works. Because it's a game that I haven't played all that much. So it was neat to see how all the mechanics worked and how the players interacted. And we're still a very teamwork-oriented group. So it was just a lot of fun. It was hanging with your friends. How about you, Phil?
2: Uh, well, I finished my quarantine,
0: like I said, uh, hey. during
2: the temperature check. That was like my big thing for the week. Um, it was It was okay. Like, overall, I mean... I worked from home um i had groceries delivered i got chinese food delivered one day um but like it just started to like come apart at the edges by by sunday i pulled it together enough to play nba and then just kind of fell apart after um and just made it through monday was my first day um out of quarantine and so i um Spent Monday uh, scrubbing my house. So I like um, took all the bedding from my house and went to the laundromat, um, got it washed. I opened up all the windows and vented the whole house. I got Lysol and sprayed down surfaces and mattresses, pillows, the couch. Like um, I cleaned my CPAP for the first time in forever, um, like deep cleaned my CPAP. Um So like, I, and I just like, it was all that stuff, like water bottles, like all that stuff. So, and then I went and got my haircut because I needed a haircut before I got put into quarantine and then like an extra week. And my hair was like, I don't know if you remember from last week, I I don't think most people noticed, but it was like super puffy. And, Hmm. um, it right now is in its optimal form, which is if you've. Ever seen me at a convention? You're like, I don't know. Phil's hair looks like it always does because I always get a haircut before a convention, so yeah. I look the way most people outside of you guys mm. actually see me, right? So, but that haircut did a lot. Yeah. Anyway, that's me. Roll. Yeah. We can roll right into the announcements because, like you said, we got a
0: big episode tonight. Show. All right, but we do have one announcement this week. Our own Andy Fox has a new Etsy store, the Crafty as a Fox store. Um, they're making cards for all sorts of occasions. Um, so send a card and show your care because new cards are being added all the time for occasions, both traditional and new. Find them at www.etsy.com slash shop slash crazy as a Fox store. Crafty. I will put this, this is going to be in the show notes. We're also going to put it into the <laughs> Slack room channel. Um, yes. So Slack members slash Slack. shop shop etsycom yes. slash shop. Slash crafty as a fox store. Um, but uh, for those of you who've been uh part of the slack room and listened on mumble recently, you've heard Andy talking about this and uh, sounds like it's gonna be a lot of fun. Some really interesting cards coming through there.
2: Yeah, that so,
1: you said crafty as a fox, right? The first I time you so. said crazy as a fox, and then he sorry,
0: it's, it's crafty time. as a
2: fox. Okay, yes, chat room's catching up. up. Yep. Thank you. I think crafty I think
0: as a fox, crafty as a fox. Thank
2: you. I, I think Andy should make cards like um like a TPK card, like, sorry, I TPK'd you, right? Like, and just like, like a a card that a G like a a DM could give to their players. Like, sorry, I TPK'd you last, last, you know, game or, and, you know, um, sorry, I betrayed the party would be like, I would be a great card for somebody like in the party who like, you know, like fucks up, like, sorry, I betrayed you all. Like, here's a card. There you go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that should be, um, that should be like some of the, yeah yeah sorry i hogged the spotlight yeah right? like sorry
1: yeah sorry i killed your favorite npc <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry i fridged it's the card's a little fridge and you oh, open it up <laughs> sorry i fridged your npc horrible. all right oh, before this should we go down, down the itself. rabbit hole
1: on that we should move on to the thing which is our favorite segment phil gird yourself i'm ready and go Workshop!
2: Workshop! Fudging! We're talking about fudging! Oh my god, I can't believe we're talking about fudging! Is this topic ever going to die? No, it never will die, therefore, we must weigh in here in the workshop. And don't suck. suck. Well, holy shit. Um, Just like the leaves changing color, or the phases of the moon, or the orbit of the Earth around the sun, once again, the topic of fudging and fudging dice arose on Twitter. This argument, which is so old that my very first Gnome Stew article in 2008, I actually talked about this. Um, and I was inspired from times before that of being in various yes. arguments in conventions about the quote sanctity of the dice. Yes. Uh, but because it, because it made its rounds on Twitter, and because 140 characters or 280 characters isn't nearly enough to encapsulate our thoughts, Correct. we're going to take a whole show and revisit the concept of fudging.
0: All right. First of all, we're going to take this from a neutral standpoint, being either in support of fudging or against it. What we're going to do instead is discuss what fudging is, why it occurs, and tips on doing do it correctly, if you're going to do it in the first place.
1: Yeah. So, of course, to get started, we need to know some definitions for our stuff. So, Phil, let me set you up.
2: Behold, you are in the presence of Devon Shen, Panda. Oh, boy. All right. Well, we got a couple. We got we to gotta lay out some terms, get everything squared away before we get deep into our discussion. So I try to do this quickly, but not too fast. First things first, our main word for tonight is, of course, fudging, right? Which is adjust or manipulate. Facts or figures, as to present a desired picture. Right? So in role playing games, fudging most often means the manipulation of values in a role.
0: For example, if you're the GM, if you roll an actual 20, you might decide to make it a 19 so you don't trigger a critical, just to take it easy on the players. Sure.
2: Um, fudging can be used in a broader term, besides just the rolling of the dice, to mean the manipulation of anything like uh, difficulties for tasks hit points, damage, those
0: kinds of things. So you might, for example, set the difficulty of something to be 17, but the player rolls a 15 and you say, you know what, that's a success. Uh, Maybe the first attack of of the player in the very first round of combat does enough damage to completely TPK the monster. So you decide to add an extra 20 hit points to it so it lasts another turn or two just to make the encounter more interesting for everybody. And maybe your monster does enough damage to trigger a massive damage save, but you shave a few points off and just do normal damage so that the players aren't wiped out in the first round. Yep. That's sort of fudging. Yeah, that's fudging. Yep.
2: All right, next one is hand-waving. Uh, is the dis- This is the dismissal of a rule either in the moment or for an entire session or campaign. Um, mm-hmm. In RPGs, right, this often comes into play a few ways. Right, the One of the most common ones is just to not call for a check when one is normally
0: needed. Um, for example, you're across a compound full of guards. The GM tells you you don't need to make a roll for it. When you normally would, just because it works better if you just stick across for the sake of the story.
2: Sure. Um, or you could just, you know, remove a rule from a game, be it for a
0: scene session or, like, forever. Right. For example, you may hand-wave encumbrance entirely. You just never use it in any of the games.
2: Yeah. Uh, hand-wavings like fudging, but it's less about messing with um, numerical components of the game and more about, like, um, Messing with the procedural parts of the game, right? So like when you hand wave something, like you're hand waving a check, you're hand waving a rule. Whereas with fudging, right? I'm, I'm playing with the numbers of the game, right? In, in one way or another. Right. They're not unrelated to one another, right? Which is why we're defining it. Like they, sometimes you choose fudging over hand waving. Sometimes you just hand wave things. Okay. Um, next one is not to be overly controversial. Uh, the word is Cheating. To act dishonestly or unfairly in order to gain advan- advantage, especially in a game or examination. Um, so we need to unpack a few words here. Um, dishonest being one of them, right? Behaving or prone to behave in untrustworthy or fraudulent way. Unfairly in a way that doesn't follow the rules of a game or sport. That one's probably the, the real one to drill in as we talk um, a little bit further in the um, episode about fudging and cheating um and i wanted to i wanted to get this out right because um we do need to talk about that right like there are some people on the internet who are like fudging is cheating and no it's not and um we'll get into it and unpack it a little bit more uh as we um as we keep going one last definition to get us out of this segment which is ethics um moral principles that govern a person's behavior or the conducting of an activity in this case the conducting of a role playing game. So we are even. We are going to talk about whether some um, whether fudging is ethical or not, or how to make it ethical. All
1: right. So those are all great important definitions for the show tonight. Now, as we get into this, Jerry, can we talk about why a GM would fudge a roll, a check, or their damage or whatever?
0: There's a lot of reasons why a GM might want to do that. Um, but first, let's eliminate one of the reasons right off the bat, and that reason is for maliciousness. Uh, if the GM is fudging dice to punish the players in some way out of some anger or competition with the players, that's just malicious. The reason we have to eliminate this is because there's no case whatsoever so ever right to maliciously fudge the game in order to hurt or punish the players or their characters. This is just plain wrong, always. You should never be maliciously fudging the dice just to hurt the characters or the players. Taking that off the table, the core reason why GM's fudge dice comes out to one basic tenet, and that is they're going to fudge dice when the random outcome of the game mechanics are not in alignment with where the GM wishes the story itself to be.
2: Yeah. So let's go into this a bit, right? Um, Mm -hmm. In any GM-based RPG, the GM at all times is managing two things, right? They're managing the
0: mechanics of the game. Okay. Excuse me. Includes things like setting difficulties, making opposed checks, educating rules for diplomacy checks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, all the little mechanical things.
2: And they're managing the direction of the story as it's unfolding through play.
0: And some things like foreshadowing, the scene setting, scene closing, the pacing of the game, the rising action, the denouement, everything in between. Yep.
2: So when so there are times where these two things are just in perfect alignment.
0: But sometimes the DM find a piece of information from the town guard. And the characters are talking to that guard. And one of the characters simply makes their diplomacy check. Perfect. You get what you want.
2: Yep. So, perfectly in alignment. Sometimes they can be out of alignment, but it's not really a big
0: deal. Right. So, maybe the character GM wants the character to be chased by the town guard and ultimately escape the town so they can start the next encounter. However, the characters is leading them on a rooftop chase, and the character fails their jump check, falls for damage, but keeps running, and eventually escapes. That scene took longer than the GM wanted, and the character is a bit rougher shape, but the scene still ended the way that they wanted it to. Yep.
2: And then, and then, lastly, they can be way out of alignment with each other.
0: For example, uh, the characters at the start of a dungeon encounter, and they encounter a challenging but not impossible opponent who just crits and kills the wizard in the first round of combat. Opening shot: wizard's dead. Um, at this point, it's doubtful the party going to continue in the dungeon any further without their wizard. And then, likely just going to turn around and go back to town and get a new wizard. On top of that, there was nothing really heroic about the wizard's death. They open the door, a wizard dies. That's it. It's random. It's not that climactic, and it really wasn't fun for anybody. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So when the GM's idea of where the game is going falls out of alignment with where they want the story to go. This is the place where the GM could fudge a roll, fudge the damage amount, change the DC just to get everything back into alignment.
0: There's a number of ways that these two things could fall out of alignment, but some of the common ones are going to be first of all, there's a logical flaw in the scenario. <laughs> Maybe the GM underestimated the difficulty the encounter that killed the wizard you know, I thought a bunch of 1st level DD characters could take out an ogre in the first room. That sort of thing. Second is going to be if the application of the rule would, or through a random roll, just put the game out of alignment. Uh, maybe the character should make a check for crossing this narrow ledge, but if they fall into the gorge, it's going to be not interesting and delay everything down. So we're just not going to have them fail the check to get them across that gorge and get the story going because the gorge itself isn't interesting and neither is what's at the bottom. Yeah. Lastly, uh, you may have some times where a random roll is... Produces a completely unexpected result Um, when the player gets a luckily critical hit at the climactic scene and one shots the big bad evil guy right in the first round. That's not that's not what some GMs want for their games. Um, But in all these cases, it just takes a little bit to GM to nudge things back in alignment by fudging a little bit of something.
2: Yeah. So some games are more prone to like having GMs fudge them than others, right? Games that have mechanics that allow the GM and or the player to, um, to do the realigning within the mechanics of the game are less prone to fudging um, because those mechanics allow you to kind of make those adjustments instead of just the GM arbitrarily changing numbers, right? So some of those mechanics are games that have player mitigation or GM mitigation mechanics. Um, we've talked about this in the past episode. So we're talking about things like hero points, bennies, fate points, um, the um, pushing a role in um, uh, the one roll engine those kinds of things something where yeah. it's like well I failed this role and I really wanted to make this role uh, therefore I will spend this resource to try again
0: yep. uh, these type of mechanics though they enable the player um, or the GM to reroll outcomes and this allows for a chance for a uh, reroll failed to the try ref- again, Mr. Mark, Word scramble. It's going to allow them to re-roll a failed roll and attempt to get a positive outcome. And in some cases, the GM can simply say things like, okay, uh, if you need to succeed, it's going to cost you a Benny or a Fate Point or something and get you past... It's another way to kind of fudge everything.
2: Yeah. Um, so then games that have healing, like advanced healing or magical healing uh, and or resurrection mechanics, um, will mitigate things like massive damage and death.
0: For example, if all that kills the wizard is not going to end the life of the wizard as much as be a resource drain on the party as they have to bring that wizard back to life.
2: Yeah, notice like if your wizard gets one-shotted in like a 12th level, um, like fantasy, like I'm just going to say like Pathfinder or 3-5 game, right? If your wizard gets one-shotted at 12th level, that's just like for the cleric to get over there and bring him back to life, as opposed to like your first or second level wizard who gets one-shotted by like, you know, the lucky goblin and you're all like, well... That's it for the, that's it for Charlie, right? Like we don't (laughs) have that resource in our, you know, we don't have that resource at our hands. Yeah. All right. Games, games that have fail forward or success with consequence mechanics um, also um, tend to be less, like you tend to need to fudge them
0: less. Because you've got a chance for the GM to realign the story, but make the failed save still have some sort of consequences. And that works really well because there's still some, some challenges and some, some threat to failure, but it doesn't mean the end of the game just because somebody rolled badly.
2: Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, finally, like games where the outcome of a failed role is narrated by the GM and is not just a binary outcome, right? Where there's like a choice of options that the GM can
0: um, take when a role is failed. And the big obvious one here is Dungeon World and the rest of the PBTA games. Um, where you have things like hack and slash that allows the gm to make a move rather than just say something misses if the player doesn't doesn't succeed they can still have something happen that doesn't result in their in their immediate death or something along that line works out yeah, pretty I mean,
2: well if you think about it right like you you would never really like i mean as a gm you can't fudge a role in um, in dungeon world because you, you don't, don't make have, any. you don't make any <laughs> yeah. um, but you also don't have to worry about like keeping the story aligned with where you want it to go because If a player rolls a six, you just make a move that's in alignment
0: Mm -hmm. with the story. Yep. Yeah. But there are games that lack these mechanics, and those games are going to be more at the whim of the outcome of the dice, and so they can feel more arbitrary. These games, the ones where the only tool a GM has for realigning the game is going to be some sort of fudging to make things work.
1: Yeah, and that all makes sense. Fudging is something that a GM can do to exert control on the game and keep it going the way they had in mind when they prepped it. If things start to get out of whack, but Phil, is that important?
2: Right. Um, I don't know if the answer to that's um, that simple, right? Um, I think there's a bit of nuance to that, that question, right? Is it important? I think it is important to some people, right? Um, I think it has a lot to do with um, the concepts of randomness and storytelling, right? Games that lead more towards randomness, you know, don't have a lot of the mechanics that we talked about above. They might have some of them, but not, you know, not a lot of them. Um, And thus the game is, you know, heavily driven by the outcome of dice, right? So, you know, how a thing happens, whether a combat goes down a certain way, um, whether checks are, you know, passed, failed, whatever. um, You know, you let the dice hit the table and you find out, right? Those are games that lean heavily on randomness. Mm -hmm. Games that lean more on storytelling often have mechanics in them to empower the GM and players to help keep the game in line with the story. Right. That's just, you know, and you know, these games are like powered by the apocalypse is like a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's definitely a game that helps you. um, It helps, it helps you greatly keep the game aligned with, you know, where where you think it's going to unfold. But ultimately, this really comes down to preference. Right. Mm for your preference as a GM, what you like to run, what you want to present to players, like how you GM, right. Are you a, you know, are you a GM that wants to tell a story? Are you a GM who is like, shows up to see what happens? Um, those kinds of things. Right. Um, and what your players enjoy, right. Do your players enjoy, um, just sheerly throwing the dice and seeing what happens, um, or are they in it because they want to be part uh, of an epic story
0: i think you just answered the next section so i think i did one. too i'll just yes, i'll just keep going you. i was on a
2: roll that's good right so the thing is the thing is no one just wants one of these right like i you don't know, like like i you know i love a good i love a good story right. but i also like appreciate you know the game part of the game right like I, there's a saying chris used to say all the time like if we're just going if to we're, if we're not going to play with all the rules we just pass the stick and do pass the stick storytelling right mm-hmm. um there's like for each yeah. person there's a, a like a, a you know ratio of what you like here um and so it's it's going to be a mix for us like we we want to you know even if we say we like um we like stories we may also still like the game part of it as yeah. well
0: yeah a lot of us want the excitement of rolling the hit we don't want diabetes with death we don't want to have an to battle with the big bad guy at the end of the game. We want us want some tension. We want our characters to suffer their failures, but we don't want it to be the end of the game itself.
2: Yeah. So in the greater context of all of this, right. We need to understand in ourselves and in our players, what is it we, you know, what is it we like? Where is our, um, where's our ratio of randomness to storytelling, right? Do you lean one way or the other? Um, and and I'll be honest, it's it doesn't even have to be in general, right? Like it could be for this game. It could it could be in general. You might just be like, look, I like story over mechanics every time, hands down. Mm-hmm. That's me. Or you could be like, um, like for instance, um, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a game where I'm just like, shit, man, just let the dice fall wherever they may. I don't care what happens. Yep. Like, I don't care if characters die. I don't care if you kill the big bad in, like, two shots. Like, what, whatever mm-hmm. happens, happens in that game. Yep. Yep. But I don't have that same feeling about other games. Right. Right? So, it, 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 like, when I said it's nuanced, right, like, it, th- this is complicated um, in terms of what you like.
0: Okay. So, what it comes down to is, what exactly does it all have to do with fudging itself? And it comes down to the fact that if you're in a group that has a stronger preference for story, and you're playing a game that's more random, then the GM is going to probably have to fudge a few things to make the story go the way you want. Uh, so, if you're, in a group of, uh, if you're in a group that loves stories, you might want to stop playing games that don't have some of the mechanics we've linked above. And if you don't want to change games because you love the game, then accept that sometimes the GM may need to fudge things in order to make for a better story. In other words, based on the game that you're playing and the players and play style that you want, is going to determine how much fudging is required to make the game flow and everybody's having a good time.
1: Absolutely. And we've talked about playing games that are a better fit for your group many, many times before, but that's not why we're here. We're talking about fudging. So to keep it on topic, Jerry, you and Phil made some good points about why a GM might need to fudge the game, but is fudging cheating? Here's the, the alarm bells going off.
0: Well, that could be a tricky question, how you look at it. On the, most, on the one hand, most games don't talk about fudging. Um, a lot of games mention it. They acknowledge that GM may have to do it sometimes. Uh, I don't remember any game that expressly forbids it, but I'm sure there's one out there, so please feel free to let us know. Um, but on the other hand, it's implied that you use the value of the dice you rolled.
2: Yeah, you don't go seven spaces in Monopoly when you rolled a six, because, you know, just because landing on Marvin Gardens would be more exciting than not.
0: Well, that's a board game.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I'm with you, <laughs> right?
1: Like, it's, it's a valid but, example, though. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great example.
0: I'm just being sorry.
2: Well, because Monopoly um, also doesn't tell you that you can't um, – Monopoly doesn't say that you can just, you know, like you can't fudge the dice, but it also implies that
0: you roll the dice and take the value you were yeah, given. Yeah. Monopoly doesn't say the banker can, can quietly slip extra hundreds out of the bank into their pocket, but I've seen that happen too. Well, so we a, know that's cheating. That yeah. is cheating. So, no, but it's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's exactly there. Just because yep. the game doesn't, doesn't say something, you still have to kind of go by what the table wants to do.
2: The spirit so, is the spirit
0: versus the letter,
2: right? Exactly. Talk, yeah.
0: So, the thing we talked about in Monopoly, the purest form of definition we outlined above, eh, could be a form of cheating. Fudging could also be considered a form of cheating. But we might not consider fudging to be dishonest. It is, in a sense, fraudulous. And it's completely unfair because it's at the whim of one person. But beyond its perfect form, the condition of cheating is that something bad, one cheats to win. So if you're fudging roles to just make the story better for the players, it might be cheating, but it's for the betterment of of players and betterment for the enjoyment of the game. And so we kind of liken this to Santa Claus. Is telling kids about Santa Claus lying? Yes. But most of the time it's for the betterment of the Christmas experience for the kids. So it's lying. I will argue that it's it's not
2: only just for the betterment of the kids. As a parent, um, I um, I had a great time having my kids be
0: excited about Santa Claus. That's good. Uh, We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But yes, so fudging is in its base essence cheating, but it doesn't mean it's always wrong.
1: All right. So I see where we're going with this. Fudging is a good kind of cheating when it's done for everyone's benefit. But Phil, is it
2: ethical? I'm no expert in ethics, and I'm probably possibly the least Best person to discuss whether something is ethical or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, And it has a lot to do with, did everyone agree for it to happen? Like, did everyone agree that fudging was okay? Um, Because now we're getting into an area that I am uh, pretty confident in, which is consent and expectations. If you don't tell your players that you're going to fudge the game from time to time, Right. Um, you know, you're going to fudge the game to make it more enjoyable for everyone, right? And then you do so in the game, right, without anyone knowing. I don't think that's
0: ethical. Yeah, you have to get agreement among the players that it's okay to select story over randomness. Otherwise, they're going to assume that everything is random, and that could affect their choices.
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, like some players could be disheartened to know that um, the game that they played was not uh, the luck of the dice, right? The random experience that um you know that they thought like every role that they made was you know uh you know uh you know lucky when it was important and that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. you know you find out like oh no like i you know nudge things here and there right and those players could be like oh i didn't realize that right so what we've talked about is like you may need to use fudging right Mm -hmm. so have this discussion, right? We we uh, this drum, let me drag out this drum because we've pounded on this drum like a thousand times. Um you can talk about this in session 0 if yep. you're starting up a game mm-hmm. and you can talk about this in the middle of an ongoing campaign, right? Uh, here's the thing, um you can just ask, right? You can just ask your players and be like, "Hey, I like this game system, but from time to time, I may need to fudge things to just kind of keep everything going are we all cool with that Mm -hmm. like are you guys cool if i do that there's nothing taboo about asking i like i feel like people don't ever talk about this like gms do it like for the longest time this was like the gms dirty secret like gms talk about it and like you know some do some don't there's like camps of people but Mm -hmm. but why like just ask your players yeah right? Mm -hmm. If your players feel about story the way you feel about story, they're probably going to agree with you, Mm -hmm. right? They'll be like, sure. We, we love a good story. And yeah, we would have been pretty sad if the big bad guy got capped in the first round of combat. Like, so you can have this, you can have this conversation up front. There's nothing like taboo about this. Now, if you do have the conversation and everybody's on board with it. It's like, yeah, you know what? If you know, if you got to fudge every now and then, like you know, do what you got to do. Like make it, you know, make the game good. You know, make it good for all of us. You can decide then if you know, like as a group, do the players ever want to know about it?
0: There's a couple of different things. Uh, maybe most players don't want to know about it at the time. Some players may just want to know after each session if things were fudged. Some might want to know only when the campaign's over, what worked and what didn't, what got fudged. And some players may never want to know. We don't want to know if you fudged it. We don't want to know if you didn't. We just want the game to go on.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I mean, it's perfectly fine to say to the GM, like, hey, um, yes, we're we're fine if you, you know, use this if you, we're fine if you use this uh tool every now and then, but just don't tell us. Like we're enjoying the mystique, right? Mm-hmm. Because the the story that unfolds, um, I don't know like some like I I'm of two minds of this like I as a um I as a GM will always tell you if you ask how things unfolded like sometimes players will say to me like oh I bet you didn't see that you know that thing coming right and sometimes I'll be like you're absolutely right like I scrambled in the background I did this this and this and Ooh. people will be like cool right like they appreciate finding that out or sometimes I'll be like no, I kind of thought it might go that way and I kind of had a plan. They're like, oh, okay, interesting. Like, wow, I can't believe you anticipated that. Like, so I don't mind like pulling back the curtain and showing what's going on, mm-hmm. but I'm also for just keeping the illusion. Like, if you don't want to know, we don't, like, I don't ever have to tell you. It'll just, like, that'll just go down like with me um, because it's just a tool. It's a thing I do to like yeah. help make the game go and it's a thing you agreed to. So now I feel I feel okay about it. Yeah. Right, so you can have you can discuss this, right? You can discuss this among your players. um You can even you can even limit it. You can have discussions about what types of fudging the players are comfortable with. There might be ones that, like, instead of having carte blanche and saying, "Oh, you can fudge anything you want in the game," players may be like, mm, "I'd prefer if you didn't fudge certain things, but I'd be totally fine if you fudge these things."
0: Okay, keep going. You've already covered all that, so go ahead.
2: Oh, I was going to let you give some of those examples. Oh,
0: okay. Uh, So only hit rolls, but not damage or vice versa. Sometimes players just want to say that DC rolls are fine, uh, but don't adjust anything else. Um, They might say it's okay to fudge dice when the combat would be anticlimactic. And a lot of times they're just going to make a carte blanche, whatever needs to be appropriate.
2: Oh, I see. Because I said the word carte blanche.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
2: I got you. I get you. Yeah. But those examples are perfectly fine, right? Like, you know, players might be like, look, I don't really want you to fudge a whole lot of stuff. But like, if we're going to have like kind of, you know, like if we've just been building up to our fight with Baron Von Badass and we're about to drop him in the first half of the turn, um, yeah, like fudge that, <laughs> like, 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 so that we can have some more fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a discussion. You can have this discussion with your players. Um, and, you know, the bottom line of this is that, um, If you have this discussion, if you lay down some ground rules for it and you all consent to it, right, it's not cheating anymore. And it's not and and it is ethical because at that point, you're just it's just a GM tool. It's just a tool that you put into your toolbox and you use it when you need to use it.
1: Exactly. So if we decide to use fudging as a GM tool and our players are good with it, do we have any tips for how best to use it, Jerry?
0: Well. The most important rule is going to be that fudging should be done to make the story more exciting for the players. Let's go over that one more time. Fudging should be done so that the players are having a better and more exciting experience. You don't fudge for your own enjoyment as a GM. You don't fudge to make things more challenging because it it you know, amuses you. You fudge it because you want the players to have a better and more exciting experience. And we talked about this earlier. You never fudge the punishment for players. That's just being a dick. If you really want to kill or harm your your player characters, just drop drops on the characters and let them quit the game and go do something else, because this isn't the game for you or them. So with that said, with the idea that we're going to fudge to make players have a better and more exciting experience, there is a list here. Um, Here's a couple of places we can fudge. This is not an exhausted list, an ordered list. It's just a bunch of ideas we came up with. So what's the first one, Phil?
2: yeah add hit points um, to a creature or turn a hit into a miss when um, when a player is attacking it so that uh, the hit won't be an anticlimactic kill that's an example we've used like all through this uh, all, all through this uh, session
0: second so time is uh, turn a player's miss into a hit uh, this is especially true with the tone of the player or the table is down and you can just tell that we need to move things on that's the example we had at the very beginning of the game where the where the Uh, The 15 shouldn't have hit, but it did because we've been trying it for six turns and nothing happened. Yeah. Um, But sometimes you do this just because the player's having a bad night and that hit's going to kind of give them a little boost they want.
2: Uh, Turn a failure into a success when failure would not be interesting. Now, I will argue uh, two things on this. One, you could just hand wave that check, right? Mm -hmm. You could just be like, don't have, like, don't even make this check. Um, The other one is that some games, not all games. Some games will tell you that it is not even a role. Like, don't even make a role unless the chance of failure is as interesting as the chance of success. Right. So some games have dealt with this um in their own rules. But sometimes like you see this, like I'll tell you where this one comes into play a lot. Published adventures. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you will just see a published adventure that will be like, oh, I I, I know Bob knows this one because oh, yeah. we played this in uh, Pathfinder, um, where we were like exploring this um this building and um all the doors were locked but none of the they were just like storerooms yeah do you remember this yep. like we spent like 15 minutes like making like lock pick checks and break down doors and there was literally nothing yeah in any of these rooms mm-hmm. and like but why? <laughs> right? Like, just yeah. either make the role, or like I say, hand wave that shit right out. Just be like, you, you spend the next twenty minutes breaking down doors. Um, it's basically stock rooms. There's nothing. There's nothing important here.
0: Yep. yep. So on. The, next, the next one's kind of similar to this, where you turn to failure in success when a failure would simply stop the progress of the game. Maybe you're in a room full of all locked doors, but you have to get through them to make the game going. Um, you need to make that that failure into a success of some sort. So they find a way to get through that door and keep the story going. Um, Yeah, this is either change the difficulty level of it or, you know, they fail at that. Let them all make a a perception check. And whoever rolls highest finds, you know, a secret passage or a key or a secret door or something. But sometimes you have to fudge things because failing at the roll stops the game and you guys can't go any further. That's the instance
1: that led to the creation of the gumshoe system.
0: Exactly. Yes. Yes. Somebody can find a
1: clue and everything grinds to a halt.
2: Yeah. I mean, Robin Law's like outright admitted it, right? Like gumshoe is gumshoe exactly addresses the problem of rolling for clues. Right. And, and this is a, and this is a case right where, um, this is a case where in regular, more traditional, like binary pass fail systems, um, these things would happen, right? Like we've all had these cases where games have like ground to a halt because of a failed perception check or something like that. And, and the the way that as a designer, Robin Laws addressed, it was like just wrote a game system where like, well, that just doesn't happen. Right. Right. And changed the nature of that game. But this is also where having um, success with a consequence Mm-hmm. Yeah. is great right because yeah. in just like your case jerry like sometimes somebody just in bad ven- adventure design writes the room full of locks right like yeah. um and sometimes you're responsible for it like you're it's your bad adventure design but sometimes mm-hmm. it's like a published thing so success with a consequence is great for these situations because it's like yeah you didn't pass that role so you want to take the success with a consequence most people are going to be like yes and be like cool you do this but like when you pick the lock, you you know like off you like you know we cut to another area. Something else is unlocked as well, yeah. right? And just leave it ominous and keep going, kind of thing. Okay, um, last one on our on our short list here of things you could change, right? Changing the outcome of a check in order to keep a player alive or the party alive. Like for instance, um, the cleric rolls um, fairly like the cleric just misses their paralysis save. Um, in the middle of a combat where there's one or more characters already down. Um, mm-hmm. If the cleric gets paralyzed, it's going to be a TPK. Mm-hmm. And you just don't want a TPK at the mm-hmm. moment. So you let the cleric's um, paralysis check make it, and they can run and resurrect somebody or heal somebody. That's right. And keep the game going. Okay. So there's some ideas of places where you fudge. Listen, you've, if you've been playing any games, you probably have fudged things. You probably have like a thousand more of these. Okay. When you do fudge, our other advice is be subtle, right? One, you don't want to reveal to the players you're fudging, right? In order to maintain the illusion of the game.
0: Especially true if in your consent discussion, the players don't want to know when you're fudging. Exactly. Right. So don't heavy hand it so that they're
2: like, oh, did you just fudge that role? Like Mm -hmm. nobody wants to know that. Um, Second, when you do fudge, um, make your changes in small increments, right? Don't overdo anything. Um, stay closer to the like the actual mechanics of the game, right? Like, you know, if the if the cleric rolls a four mm-hmm. for their save, like they failed, right? But if yeah. they roll like a fourteen, right, and it was like a sixteen, like or fifteen, like you, you can make that work, yeah, right, like. You can, like, you can work in there. So don't overcorrect, right? Because you're, you're really, you really should be, like, aiming for just nudging the game, right? Yeah. Like, like, don't jerk the wheel, so to speak, right? Like, don't overcorrect and, like, go and, like, you know, like, you know this is like being in a um, skid in snow, right? Like, don't jerk the wheel and go, like, just overcorrect the thing and go off in the other direction. You want to nudge this thing uh, back into place, right? If you overcorrect... Um, you run the risk of putting the game out of, out of alignment in another place and then having to fudge it back into the, you know, back into, like, into, into line. And then you just, like, wind up, like, zigzagging, like, having to fix this, to put this out, to fix this. And, like, soon your game is kind of getting out of, like, it's getting out of your hands, right?
0: Subtlety. For example, let's say the players are fighting the big bad, a, a giant dragon. In the first turn, they do enough damage to almost kill the dragon making it unlikely that in the next turn the creature's going to survive, and you feel this might be anticlimactic for them. So you decide to add back some of the hit points to extend the fight. You add another 200 hit points, turning it back to almost full health. And then the next turn, the player's luck goes horribly, and for the rest of the fight, they're missing more than hitting, and the nearly fully healed dragon now starts to stop the party. They have to start fudging hit rolls or removing hit points to start wearing this thing down before it becomes another total TPK.
2: Yeah. Instead right instead with the nearly dead dragon you just tack like 50 more hit points onto it right just like bump it a 50 and get it through the turn and see what happens the next round and maybe you're going to just need to add a couple like another 50 on after a turn or two just to keep the combat going a bit um or if all of a sudden the player's luck runs out um, now they've only got to just wear down those last fifty hit points, right? It's not like they're facing down a nearly full healed healed dragon. They're just like, you know, they're having a couple crap rolls. They're getting like you know they're getting their butts kicked and then one of them gets off like a crit and then bam, it's dead, right wanna, and like I'll, I'll, oh man, that was great. Like we almost lost it there, you know, you know, until Bob got that critical and took it down.
0: I want to state by the way that once in a while, there's nothing wrong with the players taking out the big bad on round one. I've had that happen and sometimes at least two it. Leads to it. To an absolutely iconic scene where the the big bad gets up, makes their monologue, and the barbarian steps forward, and wham, dead bad guy. It, and it, everybody cheers.
2: It's good you mention that because that segues us into this next segment. So, mm-hmm. go ahead and um, go ahead and go ahead and just listen. I,
0: I saw we, we've used that example of adding hit points and extending mm-hmm. the combat, saying the combat, extending the combat. And I've, I'll be honest, I often as a GM feel the opposite way. I've, I when if the players do really well. I'm not going to fudge because they've earned that one. They've all done really well and they've planned and something goes off well, and none of them feel it's anticlimactic to suddenly have it done, but not every time.
2: So, Ah, but you've mentioned the most important part, right? It didn't, it wouldn't feel anticlimactic
0: for that moment. Yep. And that's why it's important to know that fudging is not just straight mechanics. It's a skill and it's an art.
2: Yeah. It's an art to know when to nudge the game back into alignment. Right truthfully sometimes players need to fail right sometimes they need to be stymied sometimes they need to have setbacks right sometimes there needs to be consequences for failure Um, and knowing when to fudge and allow something to be a success versus when to let the players fail at something is a bit of an art from a story perspective um, we improve this Um, through a deeper understanding of story pacing, story structure, right? Watch more movies, more TV, read more books, read more comics. Um, Those kinds of media show us things like try-fail cycles, right? We try, we fail, we finally succeed. Um, They show us what climactic battles look like. And Jerry's right, right? Like sometimes um, the coolest thing to have in the moment is just to one-shot the bad guy, right? Um, The players are super low on hit points, They're really ragged. They finally make it there. The bad guy does his monologue, right? Looks really smug. And then wham, Bob hits him for like, you know, 200 points and drops him right there on the floor. And as a GM, you might just be like, yep, that was good. Like that, that was good story and no need to fudge it. Right. Other times it could be like the players have been like, like we've spent a three years of this campaign to bring us to this moment. We are stepping through this portal for one last like triumphant battle. Like basically it's the whole night's adventure. Maybe you don't want to go out in the first round.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. Like maybe the players are going to want to stick it out and actually play, you know, through a few rounds of this. Yeah. Okay. So there is an art to knowing when to nudge things.
0: But it's also a skill. You need to be versed in the mechanics of your game. You need to understand what to nudge, how to nudge it, um, how much to nudge it. Do you add 50 hit points or 100 hit points? It's going to depend entirely on the mechanics of the game, levels of the characters, what they can do for damage, etc. cetera. Um, and this just basically means you need to have some system mastery and have some skill on how to fudge things. And over time, your skills are going to get better. You're going to have those times that you overcompensate and have to compensate back. But there's also times that you need to... Um, of adjust for things and know when to make a save, not a save, and so on. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as we're here, we have a, a new person in the in the chat room. Riven, Riven, it was one of the players in the ill fated when Jerry did a bad job of adjusting and had a beholder that TP killed TPK'd the whole party.
2: Oh, um, we've heard about the story yeah. about that about that beholder.
0: Yes, J- uh, Riven was in that adventure. Uh, good to. So uh, he's also a paladin with the cobalt we talked about earlier. Anyway, oh, very good,
1: nice, Bob. All right, so before we head to break, there's one more thing that we should discuss. Phil, what about players' fudging rolls?
2: Yeah, Ooh. right? It yep. happens. Is it cheating? Probably. Is it unethical? Probably. Is it bad? Uh might depend. Mm. Right, the most common way a player fudges a roll is by giving a different outcome from the die they rolled. The second most common way is to either forget to remove a bonus or add your bonus that may not apply um, to the situation and just bump up that role, right? Like you, mm-hmm. leave the set, you leave the 14 on the table, but you have a plus 9, not a plus 5 yeah. um, when you when you finish off your math. Um, look, players fudge roles for the same reasons GMs do, right? They believe their character should be able to do a thing in the story that the mechanics uh, say otherwise. Um, and again, greatly reduced when there's a mechanism in a game that allows players um, re-rolls, bonuses, uh, things like that, right? Things like Benny's, uh, the Cypher XP is a great one. The Cypher XP is a great one because it's not even a reroll. It's a whole decision you have to make about, do I want to make this re-roll or do I want to get closer to advancing my character? yep. Um, yep. fate points aspects um uh, you know what even dcc right as random as random as dcc is dcc is luck yep. Yep. only for players though yep mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. not for like the gms like on their own but players have a it, it's not a um actually there's actually a variant called fleeting luck Mm-hmm. Where, like, we've played with traditional luck, which is like, look, you have a finite amount that you rolled when you rolled your character. When it's out, it's out. Fleeting luck is actually more like Benny's, where you give them to players and they can spend them, like, one you know, one for one, mm-hmm. changing the rolls. But when games have those things, players are less likely to fudge mm-hmm. their own dice, right? Because they can choose to make the re-roll. Plus, yeah. if you declare that you're making the re-roll and you fail again, like everybody sees it right that's right but but you also feel empowered because you're like oh i rolled and it didn't work i'm gonna spend a point oh i failed again i guess i'm not meant to make this roll right and then you just like eh, okay i'll live with it okay but in all these cases right the player doesn't like the outcome um they spend the resource they try again it helps okay
0: now sometimes players fudge a roll because it's something a little bit more personal they might be feeling bad they might be just having a bad day, and failure is just not making the game fun. Now, we're gonna be clear about some things. Failure is a part of all games, and players should be comfortable and accepting of a certain amount of failure. You're not gonna succeed at every die roll, but there are times when players are just in a dark mental space, where additional frustration and failure only makes them feel worse. And one can argue that maybe it's not a good night to be gaming, and that could be true in some cases. But a lot of people also have trouble bailing on a game and laying their friends down when they're not feeling well and that can add to that feeling. So because of that, sometimes a player just needs to win and they might fudge something like a hit roll or a check just to not fail to get that win. Um, While players can do this, this is another point where the GM can try to spot this and do it on their behalf and make it better. Um, Also, if you have player resources that allow rerolls, this will help to make this a lot easier. And as a GM, again, this is a time web. If you see a player who's having that kind of a night, this is when you want to be much freer with your 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 bends, your gimme points or whatever. Give them out often and frequently and bring the mood to the table up. Yeah, um, we've seen lots. I've seen lots of nights with somebody who's having a bad day that just what happens at the table gives them the, the boost, the confidence to kind of make it through to their next therapy session. And I'm not saying that sarcastically. I mean, literally, I that was the there. boost they needed between those nights. And that makes a difference. Yep. Um, but that's I, and, part of being a group. And you're hundred
2: percent right, right? Like some nights, I mean, I've seen it in uh, I mean, I've made this joke about Savage Worlds before, right? If you want to see the um you wanna see the tone of a table change, right? Have somebody spend their last Benny, right? Like all of a sudden things become a lot more like it was super heroic and then you spent your last Benny and now this game is grim right like you are at the mercy of these dice and you are like i will now i will like no i'm not jumping over to the other stagecoach, jerry like i'll just climb inside now where it's safe right mm-hmm. um and where you know you know look for better for worse right if you go the shintar route and just start pumping them out like an arcade game yeah, yeah. um the table gets hot right people get excited yeah. you got venues to spend i'll do some stupid shit if i can keep re-rolling right
0: like you I'll, t- me to- I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one of these days i'd love to see you play a sandwich world's game with our friend sean because sean will burn all his bennies trying to succeed at a, a group role that's already been succeeded at it is not unusual for sean to be out of bennies 25 minutes into a six hour sandwich world's game oh boy and and then and, and then he, and then he just he he, he just plays it like he stole it he does not that does not stop him from doing, from doing that's brave things.
2: I, I i i commend i am a cautious player so like uh, i have like a benny limit like i'm like okay uh i have four bennies um two of these bennies have to be for soak rolls these two bennies can be for re-rolls for other shit but like i'm gonna hold like now if i'm starting to, like if i'm getting close to two bennies i'm gonna have to like trigger some shit here to get some more bennies right like I, and I do this with I do this with Cypher too, right? As soon as I get four XP in Cypher, I like put them to the side. Like I'm going to get an advancement tonight. I'm mm-hmm. not re-rolling anything. I'll just like, I'll let fate be like what it is. And then if I get more XP over the four, I'm like, okay, now like I'll re-roll some shit now. Like, yeah. okay. So here's the thing, right? We could have this discussion in session zero, yeah. right? We could talk about whether it's acceptable behavior or not. I don't think we ever do, right? I don't, I know I have never addressed my players to be like, by the way, if you need to cheat tonight, like, or fudge a roll, feel free. Um, but I will say this, right? Here's a couple of things I've done where I have subtly made this point. When we play online, I don't tell you that you have to use the die roll, right? I'm like, we're all adults here, roll your dice. Like, it's yeah. fine, whatever. Yeah. Um, if you need that win and you need to just tell me a different number. That's fine. The other thing is I don't check your dice ever. I don't ever as a GM, I will just say this. I don't ever as a GM ever check to see what players roll. Mm -hmm. I used to, Mm -hmm. right? I definitely used to, I used to look, I just like at this point now, I don't care if you're not fudging your roles to make everybody else look bad, harm other players. Like if you're Mm -hmm. not doing anything harmful at the table and you just like I don't know. You had a shitty day. You need a win. Like you just need to get that hit. You don't want to miss again. I, I'm not like. Yeah. Like, I, feel, I feel. I'm the not. Same I'm way. not getting on your case yeah. about it. We're adults.
0: I, I used to be just. I used to be just like you, and I used to watch the players, watch their dice, want to see what they were rolling. You know the the. You know, oh, is the die on its side? Is it a cock die or not? Now I'm just like, yeah. What'd you get? You just, whatever. Read, read whichever one's up. You get to the point where we're, we should all be playing with friends, unless at a con. We shall be playing with friends, and if whatever they're doing is having fun, and the rest of the players are having a good time with it, go for it. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I've even and 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 especially that we play games like Dungeon World and stuff. I have caught players deliberately failing dice rolls just because it's going to be interesting.
1: Yep. I,
0: I, look, I almost want to I almost want to make a
2: house rule for Dungeon World, which is like if you just want to take the six minus on a roll. Yep. Just tell me right like you can't do it every turn but like once or twice a session if you want to just be like i failed this role yeah i'll take my experience point yeah Yeah.
1: we've We've had moments in games with tony that were not pbta even where Mm -hmm. tony just like you know i feel like like failure in this instance is the optimal thing for us (laughs) like like my character would is going to fail this because it's going to be way more interesting
0: yeah, Tony I, I've done I've done that a couple times in some of our Savage Sundays games where it's not a a combat role where the GM's like, all right, roll your resistance or roll whatever I'm like, ah, I just fail. I want to see what mm-hmm. happens next. I fail. Like, you know, um, yeah. and, now that's always fun when you get a GM who's not expecting that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it can be a lot of fun either way. So it, it can be fun.
2: Jerry, give us a give us a few tips. If you're a player and you need to and you need to fudge a roll, what are what are like a few things you should what are a few things you should do?
0: First of all, do it infrequently. You should accept failure in the games you're playing. Um, if you're gonna be if you're gonna be fudging the dice constantly so you always succeed, you probably don't need to play this game. You should probably go do something like a video game or something on that line. Um, so you should save your fudging for when things get desperate or interesting. Um, and like DM fudging, be subtle. Just nudge things a few points. If you roll the 14, don't tell somebody you roll the 20. Um, you know, I got a 15, whatever. Uh, if you're going to go do dice rolls, make sure people don't see your dice. Um, they roll rolling quickly. Um, do what we used to call the Warhammer sweep. When I used to run Warhammer tournaments, we always had the players, um, always from Rochester, who would roll their dice, count their hits, and then scoop their dice up before anybody else could count. That We used to call it the Warhammer sweep. Yeah. Um, by the way, do not cheat in tabletop in tabletop board games and war games. That's wrong. Um, and lastly, maintain the illusion. Just keep it kind of looking there. Um, have a good time with it. Keep it quick. Keep it subtle, and don't make it obvious. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. That is the
2: first half of our talk to- I, I can't even say half. Right? It's our first two thirds of our topic or segment. The first segment yeah. on our over, you know, with our overview of fudging. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to head to the chat room. We're going to check in with them, get their thoughts. Uh, but first, Bob, tell us about another show on the Dr. Mark Network.
1: Yeah, so Doc Palindrome has a little show called The Lounge where he finds the best, the brightest, and the most fun game designers and sits down to have a cool chat with them. You never know what kind of conversation is going to come up in an episode of The Lounge. Check it out. That's right. All right, so Chatteroo... Way back a little bit, uh, Chromatic Chameleon uh, said they often do their best to plot fudge because they want the the big bad to have a logical reason to have power-up and tactics that might match the PCs, et cetera. So that's a good place to do it. <clears throat> I like plot fudge. Plot fudge sounds good.
0: Sure. Yeah. Op- optional Optional fudge. Yeah. <laughs> where you've got stuff set aside where you decide, you know, okay, depending on how the players go, I'm going to have this option and or this option and or this option So it's challenging for them as they go. And also the mood of the room, you know. We've got half – we've got – you know, they want to wrap this game up, but we've got half an hour left to play this thing. Let's, uh, you know, let's see how it goes. That's a really good idea.
1: Yeah. As as a matter of fact, Lemming uh, uh, spoke just to that. Uh, I I think I've only had one GM um, where I started fudging only so we could move the story along, move the combat along because uh, people had to get up early for work or whatever. Like sometimes it just (laughs) – Let's make this thing roll.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to keep the moving. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, we have a new person in the in the chat room. That's Riven three one one, who is um, one of my old gamers, as I mentioned from back in the Syracuse days. Um, the stories you hear me tell about um, playing a lot of three point five, um, the big epic games with the uh, with uh, the unkillable kobold, and he was one of the playtesters gamers that was through all of my metal fire fantasy games that i ran and always played unusual characters that played against type and had a really good time with that but yes he was also famous for having absolutely horrible dice rolls and living with almost all of them um not roll a d6 to save his life sometimes <laughs> and, and that's and, the thing
1: i've seen games we had in our uh, one night in our pathfinder game phil yeah. was rolling so poorly that he started keeping a a, a tally of mm-hmm. how many rolls were under the like 11 and Ugh. like the statistical probability of the crappy rolls he was making was a total anomaly, but that's I, one I did. Those...
2: And I did all the superstitious stuff. I, uh-huh. I swapped out dice. I, I put all my dice on 20, right. To like warm, like yeah. I, I, we used to have, what was it? The computer. Yep. We would roll, we would roll two dice. Only one of them ever counted. It was just that the other one was there to, to create healthy competition yep. for the other D20. Like, <laughs> And we could do, I think we could all. probably do a whole show on dice superstition. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, it's, it's, uh, I'll give, I'll give Riven one more thing. He was also almost always somebody who lived and died by the bad dice rolls. If he rolled absolutely horribly, it was never a, uh, oh crap or a mad or whatever. It was like, okay, how did, in the days, you know, they're talking back in 3.5 days, how can we make this interesting? And that's what we did. You know, um, can I just take a broken arm for that? There's no rules for a pitcher. Sure. Go ahead. So, see, that's anyway. a good attitude. Yeah, that's a very good attitude. Uh,
1: All right. So, so let's complete our segment on fudging by heading to the round table. Um, we're only going to do two questions because this was a, a pretty beefy uh, topic with a lot of discussion. So, question number one Have you, as a GM, ever fudged a die during a game? And, uh, and, and was it memorable or what was memorable about it? Wow.
0: Well. Um, I would say that I often, especially in the non-binary days, and especially in the old days of, of, of D&D, punch dice rolls. Um, I think that um, in the old days, I'm, I'm actually guilty of doing some of the malicious GM stuff too, because I was a, even more of a dick back then than I am today. <laughs> um, but uh, these, back when I was doing things like, especially Pathfinder, early Pathfinder, um, we had uh, a, hit become a monster, a hit from a monster became a miss. Um, or I had them roll less damage. You know, they are supposed to roll 3d10 and I had them roll 3d6. Um, or I chopped their hit points down a little bit because it's been six turns and I can tell that nobody's enjoying this fight. Um, but I did it a lot, especially in my first run through Pathfinder, because I thought it was an experienced 3.5 GM. And while Pathfinder was very similar to that, some of the things changed drastically and some of the monsters were different. and um, Especially in some of the uh, adventure paths. While they're really well written, some of the Big, bad, evil guy fights are pretty tough, especially if the party doesn't have a standard allotment of character types. And that's another time you might have to fudge if you're running a pre-generated module, and that module assumes, you know, four to six characters, including, you know, fighter, wizard, cleric, and uh, rogue, and you've got, you know, bard, bard, druid, and, you know, um, juggler. It's going to be a different encounter at the end of that game. And sometimes you need to fudge it just because, you know, the players don't have that thing that the designer obviously had in mind for when they did that. So I fudged them a couple of times quite a bit during the early runs of Pathfinder, but I did it for the reasons I wanted the story to go forward. How about you, Phil?
2: Yeah, I totally, I mean, I, back in the D20 days, right. I mean, even before the D20 days, but like, especially in the D20 days, um, I fudged lots of things, right. I I would fudge hit rolls here and there. Um, I fudged grapple checks, like whatever, like I, I fudged what I needed to, to like kind of move the, the story along. Um, and I did because I, um, and the way I know I did was because, uh, I rolled behind my screen, right. For a lot of my games, I rolled behind the screen so that I could then make adjustments as necessary. Right. Um, I don't do that with um I don't do that with games um that I play today because most of the games I play have those support systems in it Cipher Fate those uh, PBTA right if I roll anything I roll that stuff in the open when we play DCC um, I roll all my shit in the open for that because I've I for DCC I'm just like this is the game where I just let the chips fall yeah I don't care like I don't care like what happens you want to you know like you kill the big bad in one shot I'm in Right, like has a
1: certain feel to it, and that's like you know that's perfect.
2: Yeah, just embrace. I embrace for DCC. I embrace randomness. Mm -hmm. Um, but for games like um, for games like like and and those other games like Fate and Cipher and stuff, like I roll out in the open. Like you'll know, like I mean, I roll the you know I roll the minus one more times in Fate than um anyone has ever rolled minus like I rolled more minus ones than uh than you know. Um, than Fred Hicks. That's what I, I will say. <laughs> um, my most memorable fudging, and it wasn't actually a role, I actually bent my own rule um, and needed to very quickly. So in my final battle of my Iron Heroes campaign, I knew that the players were going to do a metric fuck ton of damage in this battle. And I purposely made the bad guy based on all of the player's stats. Like, I took everybody's character sheets and I sat down and I was like, what armor class do I need to have so that these guys hit 50%, 60% of the time? And I built this, like, I built the bad guy for that. But I also knew there was no way I could give the bad guy enough hit points. So I had these obelisks that had energy in them. And I had written it into the story that, like, Um, he could take like so much from each obelisk a turn to like buff up his, his hit points. And it wasn't a huge number, but if the obelisk ran out of power, then the obelisk was dead. And that was important because the obelisks were being, he was trying to charge them up to cast this ritual, to let um, the real horrors back into the world. Well, the players roll into this battle and they hit this, they hit this guy so hard in the first turn that I look at my rules and I'm like, Nope, I got to take a shitload of points back out of these obelisks right now. Like, I just like, I was like, this battle will be over in like, I think I had it figured out after the first round. I was like, if they have another round like this, this battle won't go three turns. Like I need them to have enough hit points to last long enough. So I transferred a bunch of points out. Um, into them to survive the first turn. Cause when they came out of the port, like, cause they came through this portal, when they came out of the portal, they came out guns blazing, right? Like yeah. they had had two weeks to prepare their first round of combat. And it was devastating. And I this did was... not. Sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. Oh, as you say, I did not pull any more points for the rest of the, like for the rest of the battle. I just kept them alive through that first turn. And then everybody like rolls settled out. Um, and I kept it going. But man, in that first 10 minutes of that session, I was like, oh shit, man. <laughs> like, he's not going to make it. And that was
1: one of those instances where this entire campaign was building to this fight. And mm-hmm. this fight was the session. Yeah. So if we yeah. had pounded him in the first round and he had just gone down, it would have been a huge bummer.
2: Like, we and would we have been s- disappointed. And we yeah. still tell the story, yeah. Of of and and there's a case where I did not fudge a roll, right? I rolled his strength check, and I remember because I showed you the die roll. Yep. I was like, he failed, right, man? I like lifted up the screen. I was like, look, he failed. Like, yeah, it was. Um, but it was a thing where I knew we had. A, this was like a two plus year campaign. The whole session was being dedicated to this battle, because. This was 18th level D20 combat. Yep. So this was four hours of combat. Yeah. And I knew that if you guys killed him in the first turn, yes, it would be satisfying, but was it going to be the best story? No, no. Yeah. So when he fell and you knocked, like when he ran into you and fell over something that numerically was almost impossible yeah. to do, um, that's in my mind. I was like, oh, this is it.
1: This is the moment. Like,
2: this yep. is the moment he's prone like their special abilities are going to kick in. I'm like, oh, this shit's going to happen. Like, and I just sat and back and have let have the rest of it play.
1: If he had mm-hmm. gone down in that first round, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that was perfect. Um, so I routinely, routinely fudged when I was GMing my four E campaign sure. because my players were a well-oiled tactical machine. I would basically be it was like throwing monsters into a meat grinder. And so I would routinely just fudge like up oh, this guy, oh he should be dead, but he's got full hit points still, like whatever. Like I I fudged a lot just so that they would have some of their combat stretch out a little bit longer. They it was were fun. in no way um they were in no way being uh, disappointed by by um the impact that my fudging had—it um, th- was just—it—it—it was—it was tactical um, decision making, um, just to to make the combats more interesting because there were there's a benefit to rolling into a room with a whole bunch of bad guys and crushing the living shit out of them in the first round and being like, "You, we rock, we're awesome," mm-hmm. but if you do it every single time. It starts to get boring. And these guys were that good that they just knew exactly how to hit a room, regardless of what the opponent was and regardless of volume, whatever. And they were just that good.
2: So I just, I was throwing numbers all over the place. It didn't didn't help that one of the rules in 4E was that between, at, at each level, you could swap powers out. So, like, very quickly, we would like, uh, this power, this one isn't doing it. I'm swapping it out for this one. And we would sit as players and be like, okay, that power you just got, if we hook that up with my power yep. that, like, holds everybody in place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We would, um, we were holy terrors on Bob's campaign. And I appreciated that, like, in the early, like, rooms of the dungeon, we would just, like, walk in and just waste everything in the room right? Like, remember, I, I, what was it? That second adventure, our our brothers will, yes, yes, your brothers, brothers we know, we, yes, we know, we know. And then like, we got to the big baddie and like, we hit everything and like, it's still standing. And we were like, Oh, like a challenge, right? Like we got all excited about it. Um, so yeah, it's another case where absolutely like, would I have wanted to know in the moment? No. Am I happy that you did that behind the scenes? Absolutely. I had a blast. I loved playing. I loved those forty combats.
1: Those were um, some of the some of the most entertaining sessions of of D twenty uh, gaming that mm-hmm. I've been in, um, and it was a joy to run those games for that group uh, until I burned out. But <laughs> but that yeah, wasn't well, because I mean... of them. <laughs>
2: It was fun. It was fun stuff. I, you know, I still have fond memories. People say what they want to about 4E. There's a part of 4E I I thoroughly enjoyed.
1: Yeah. All right. Moving on to the second and last question. As a player, have you ever fudged a die roll during a game and why?
2: Oh, totally. (laughs) Totally. Right. I'll answer first. Um, I totally have um, it, it like primarily during all my D20 games. Um, Again, it, especially in those D 20 games, because there was like, you were just at the whim. There was no way to reroll anything. Everything was pass fail. Like occasionally I would just like, I very rarely fudged the die roll. I very often tinkered with the bonus math. Like if I was going to like, if I was going to fudge a roll, it would be more like I quote forgot that I shouldn't have that bonus when I did, or I'm bad at math, right? We just, like, add it wrong um, and, and you know, and just let it ride. Um, but with other games, like, if we're playing, like, things like Fate, um, if we're playing anything powered by the Apocalypse, I, like, let the dice fall where they may, right? Like, I think I had a, um, I think I had a night of PBTA when we were playing uh, Airy Peaks where I think I failed almost every roll that night.
1: You got like to every time to Chris
2: said roll, I rolled a 6 minus. And it was fine because Chris was in control of the game, kept the game moving. I took my yep. lumps that night, but also I got to say this for Dungeon World. Coupling experience points with failed rolls. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I didn't I didn't pass a roll tonight, but I'm leveling up. Yep. yep. Like I was like I'm okay. Like there's a that's a
1: huge factor in in mitigating the negative uh, feelings from Mm -hmm. having bad rolls. You sit there and you go, Oh, I rolled poorly again. Oh, I rolled poorly again. One, those poor rolls are making for interesting, interesting uh, actions and and results because (laughs) of the way the game is built. And two, you leveled up. So you've got that offset when the, the old school pass, fail binary stuff just didn't have that, and it was just like, uh
2: yep. and, and in all honesty, if I had just failed those rolls and just taken hit points of damage, it would not have been nearly as interesting as the shit Chris did oh, to yeah. that character that night. Like, <laughs> dropped me through pits, you know, slid, like, fell through things, separated from every, like, you know, he had to use like every move in the book because I yep. couldn't pass a roll, but um. It was just great. Like, it just got worse and worse all night until it finally, like, everybody else overcame the problem. And I was like, sorry, I wasn't helping. Like, <laughs> I'm going to go level up now. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> like it's... But it was fun.
2: Yeah, it was With fun. capital fun. Yep. Which is why, like, PBTA is almost always one of my go-to systems. How about you,
0: Jer? All right. I know I did, especially back in the old days. Um, back in the 70s and 80s era games, I played a lot of games that devolved in the PvP
2: oh yeah um,
0: yeah and 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 not not and, and often over silly stuff. Um, I mean we we had a, a a nearly total party kill that involved the players getting into an argument where one person threw an anvil at somebody else during breakfast, and the party split in half and it just got vicious. Um, not only was it it was it vicious, it was vicious, and we were playing role master so not tune. Oh no! No, this was... tune is exactly where you throw an anvil at somebody. No, this was this was this was the party had been split because uh, half of us, uh, I'm going to say, accidentally burnt a city to the ground, and the other half and the other half of the party had been hired to come get us. We felt like they finally caught up with us, and we kind of got things smoothed out. We sat down in a ruined inn to have breakfast, and just as we were eating, one of the fighters picked up an anvil and dropped it and threw it at one of the other fighters, and combat ensued. This was a game where we had like 11 players, and I was the only spellcaster. Everybody else was a fighter variant. Um, and it was just, it was so, you had to fudge your dice rolls because it was just brutal combat, and, you know, the big thing we used to do, because you were, you know, this is in the days before Decader Dice, you'd roll two D10s, and, you know, you and you'd oh, I read, you know, you roll an 8 and a 6, and oh, that's a, that's an 86, Not a, and the next time, well, that's a 68, you know, um that sort of thing so uh we did that but to be honest most of the time it was just uh bonuses and a lot of times um it comes down to literally unconsciously forgetting to add or subtract a, a point from something you know 17 okay wait wait, wait, wait wait was i supposed to still add that plus two on there and most gms will just go yeah it doesn't matter <laughs> you know um, you hit you hit um but yeah, it's something we try not to do that anymore. And um, yeah, I also don't play PvP games anymore either. Um, no, yeah. and I think a lot of it,
2: a lot of it, has to do with that idea, right? Like, I, I don't play games where I feel like I have to fudge game, like I have to fudge yep. roles anymore because yep. I don't. It's not that I, I don't really want to fudge roles. Um, not that I think there's anything wrong with it, right? It's a tool, like everything we've been saying. I prefer if the game just has mechanisms that I can engage yeah. to do that work, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than me. I mean, I'm duct taping it when I'm fudging, right? Like I'm like, I got like, to fix the game, right? Like break out the duct tape. I'd rather the game just have the mechanisms I need to smooth the game over as I'm playing. Yeah, that's right. the ideal scenario. For me, it well, is, right? Yeah, for, for other people, maybe it's different. But for, yeah. me, um, for me, I'm polygamerous, right? So I'll just go play another game. But there are or, people, look, I mean, there are a lot of there are a lot of people in the hobby who are like, I'm ride or die on this one edition of this game, or I'm like, right, I'm 5e and that's it, right? Like, look, okay. if you are, maybe, maybe you're going to have to fudge some stuff.
0: Maybe. And, and okay? I'll be honest, there's a lot you can do to, and we've talked about this before, you know, there's a middle ground. You can take a game like 5e and um, you can add things like luck points from Eberron, or, or yeah. what do they call it? Well, yeah. hero points from Eberron. Or you can do things the way that uh, um, shoot gaming and BS. Yeah, streets of of Avalon. Avalon. Yeah, yep. Where he talks about he talks about how to use you know how to how to turn the d20 into a non-binary system. Still keep the game together. Just you know, failure isn't always a failure. You can find that middle ground somewhere, and it works. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: I mean, some sometimes my thing I have to do with games that are like that is I'll I'll reframe checks. Yep. So it won't be like did you pick the lock? I'll reframe it to be like, did you pick the lock before the guard found you? Exactly. Yep. That subtle
1: change is enough to make that a hundred
2: percent better. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, And I like games that, so again, I just like, I know me and Mm -hmm. I know me now long enough that if I pick up a rule book, I can flip through a rule book and pretty much know like, Oh, I'm comfortable with the system. Yeah. Oh, I'm probably not going to enjoy running this system. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like like I like I, I just like I know like it's the same way I know when I see a movie trailer if I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm gonna like this movie. Right? Like, do I see the things in it that I know we're gonna give me like good feelings and, and uh-huh. you know, confidence, you know, that it's gonna be good. Like, does it have a Marvel logo? Right? Yeah. <laughs> then i'm probably gonna be
1: good yeah
2: i'm probably gonna like it right but but the same thing's true like if i pick up your role-playing game and i do this all the time when i either buy games uh, sometimes i just buy a game because i'm curious sometimes like um you know i'll see a game in a in a store and i'll open it up i go right to that like i go right to the task resolution section i start looking like Mm -hmm. do we got do we got you know do we got fail with consequence do we got re-roll mechanics here do we like and if I don't see those things, I'm like, hmm, probably not going to like this yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
1: Yep. To wrap up this question, I will say that uh, that I have definitely as a player fudged rolls. Uh, again, this goes back to the discussions we had earlier. Um, you have one of those nights where it's like, I keep missing. Like I had a night, uh, I don't remember what game it was. It was a D20 game. And I was literally off by like one or two points every freaking roll missed it Mm -hmm. by one missed it by one missed it by two missed it by one missed it by two and finally i'm just like got him finally no i didn't but i did (laughs) because i had to because it was just crushing me yeah (laughs) and it's like if there would if there had been some kind of mitigation mechanic in the game clearly i would have used it but
2: yeah if you could have just spent a point or two right like
1: i'm gonna take this and and, you know
2: the truth is Sometimes you just like if in a string of bad in a string of misses, if you get one hit and then you miss again, you're like, OK, I'm fine.
1: Yeah. As long as you're not consistently bam, 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 miss. Yeah. Miss, miss. yeah. That one hit is enough to offset a lot of a lot of negativity. So. So, yeah, been there. Done that. Got the T-shirt. So, yep, And that is our show on fudging, which I'm sure yeah, there's we gonna hope- be all kinds of comments about. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. yeah. look we uh, we hope that should you need to employ this tool in your game that the advice we have provided will be of some sort of help for you
0: mm-hmm. alright and now we're going to check the chat room one more time fighting the conversation corner yeah
1: so yeah they uh, uh, our, our friends in the chat have been run have been, uh, along with us for the most part on all of this um, uh, Andy had like the opposite experience with 4E that I did um for e combat dragged on and on and on. Um which is unfortunate that was, my experience. Um, that was my
0: experience too when I played it.
1: Yeah it's it's one of those things like I had the perfect storm of players with with synergy to each other in, in the in the way they play, um, um tactical mindedness, um, character choices with build choices that that created synergy. Like it was just the perfect storm so they were a joy to run for because it was a it was entertaining as hell but uh, i mean we worked
2: we worked pretty hard at um we worked pretty hard at like how do our powers work together like we all got it pretty quick like oh cool we have powers they do things and then like the second conversation we had was like hey if we combine your power and your power then like you know then like our ranger was like and i'm on the periphery shooting shots and it's like and you yeah. have my bow <laughs> like the worst thing that could happen to us in a 4e game was a solo monster yeah if there was one monster that we could concentrate fire on it was bad for that monster that's yeah. where bob's like miraculous hit points came from yeah. if there were if we had to split up and fight things it was it was definitely more dicey although until tom got that power that rearranged the battlefield and then <sighs> No matter what you did, we would just put the battlefield to get together the there way we wanted it. There
1: were two wizard powers that Tom had. One was I'm going to rearrange the location of people on the bat on the battle mat, which was brutal. That's <laughs> a brutal power because all of a power. sudden all the matchups were changed. And then there was that one where he could literally pick up a monster. And just, like, bash it against the, it. W- it wasn't telekinesis, but there was something about the power that basically he just, like, would lift the ki- lift the monster up, like, bash it against the ceiling and the floor a hundred times or whatever, and just knock the crap out of it. And he did that to a dragon in the one Room, and it was just like, oh, that's going to leave a mark. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah, good worse. times. Um, Chromatic Chameleon... Um, said as a player they fudged life and death situations that were unfair feeling, which Uh absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely, those are the ones, if it it feels completely unfair, and especially if somebody's life is on the line, you're going to be like, should I tweak this number? (laughs) You get the little devil and angel on your shoulders going, Uh fudge the number, fudge the number, fudge the number. You shouldn't do that. It's unethical. No, fuck that. Fudge the number. All right. that's true. All right. So that's going to – we're going to roll that over into our conversation corner here.
0: Conversation corner. We did a lot better with that
1: giant, beefy text of 15 pages than I thought we would. I thought yeah. for sure we would be, like, long. But we're that doing was good. good.
2: When we have those talks about, like, you know, speeding up the, the beginning of the show, we, we move pretty yeah. quick.
1: Yep. All right. So for me, um, this past week um, – Pretty much all the things that I've been watching, same as it ever was, uh, I won't even list them all off again. It's <laughs> A lot of the stuff is the same stuff that everybody's going to talk about after me. Um, mm-hmm. I have not been getting a hell of a lot done around my condo. I still have a ton of stuff that just needs to get done. Things unpacked, put away, organized, whatever. Um, and I just haven't been doing it. Um, so eh. <laughs> mm-hmm. am I super concerned yet? No, no. If I get part way into the winter and I'm still in the same boat, then I might be like, oh, I gotta really crack down. But um it is what it is. Um playing lots of Valheim and watching a lot of football because it's football season, so Yeah. I have been uh just kind of uh plodding along. I will say again though that um from a uh from a storytelling standpoint, Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts just uh like whoever was the writers on that um Just did a fine, fine job. I've only got like two or three episodes left before it's over. Uh, And I'm like, oh, please tell me that there's plans for more down the road. Because I would love to see some more of it. Um, But yeah, Kipo, so, so good. Uh, After that, I got to start looking at a new short form uh, lunch show to watch. Um, I want to take Elementary and bring it out and put it on my list. But that's an hour long seven seasons um that's gonna be one of those ones where i have to you know, kill a couple of episodes on the weekend or whatever but
0: mm-hmm.
1: um but i will need i will need some kind of uh some kind of short form show so i gotta start looking and see what's out there on netflix and whatnot
0: now have you, you have you seen
1: um elementary before i have seen literally one episode from start to finish oh. of elementary oh. and it was oh my god it was like very like i was like wow this is really good but at the time, with everything else that I was watching, I was like, I I can't fold this into the into the mix. It's um, quite enjoyable. Yeah, it's and and tons of people have have gone and raved about uh, about that show. So, but yeah, the one episode I watched, I'm like, this scratches my Sherlock Holmes itch because I do really like the whole Sherlock Holmes thing. I've read every story that that Doyle wrote. I've read things that other people have written written that were based on the character, and I've seen like a bunch of the different movies and different takes on the character. So, yeah, this uh, I'm very much looking forward to, to getting this because Johnny Lee Miller does a really good modern Holmes. Uh-huh. Um, so definitely, uh, definitely gonna make that on my list.
2: I mean, you say that, but I can't let you I can't let you finish the sentence without saying and Watson and yes. watson yes lucy lou's watson yeah, lucy is Luz watson yes
0: um, yeah and that that that's what sold me on it because i i've said this before up until that point i'd only seen lucy lou playing the same damn character in everything that they cast her in and i thought she was a one-note actress and then i saw the first episode of elementary and i was like well fuck now i know what i'm gonna and then i, binge, I think i watched seven episodes that first night i was up till like three in the morning watching elementary and playing uh facebook or uh, uh minecraft yeah and uh oh my god it was just yeah it, yeah she is as good as he is in that show and and he's amazing it's yeah. it's, it's, it's such a well-done they're, show they're
2: both they're both fantastic um the other actors that they have uh i mean the the um the the whole cast is really top-notch yeah. i really liked mm-hmm. um i really like the cast the nypd cast and yeah. um but I will say that I, I have to say this cause I, I can't, I can't let it pass. Like, so Lucy Lou's fantastic, but also the clothes, like wait till <laughs> you see, like, yes. like Lucy Lou is like the most New York homes you have ever seen. Like yeah. her fashion yeah. sense is top notch. Yeah. Anyway, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Even if you watch Habs, you know, at lunch and, you know, watch them, you know, over two days, like, it, it won't be terrible. You won't yeah. you won't be sad about it.
1: All right. Well, that's enough for me. What about you, okay.
0: Jerry? Um, well, Legos, of course. I've been building lots of little sets that I've got sitting around the house. Um, so I've just been. That's kind of something that I do to just kind of be stress. So I'm getting a lot of boxes emptied because I I don't keep Lego boxes for anything that was released after like 1985. So I will I will open up a Lego box and and just toss it. So I'm getting more space in the house and getting things organized. But I've just been building. Um, campers, and uh, it's weird. I'm not actually a big fan of actual camping. I did it a lot when I was a child, and I was also a, a uh, an Eagle Scout, so I did a lot of camping, but I'm fascinated by campers, and I don't know why, but I, same thing as I, I'm not a big boat person as far as actually, like, if you told me, let's go out on a boat and go sailing for an entire day, I would find that boring after about the first hour, but I have, like... 30 Lego boats, and I'll build them. So I've just been building Lego sets and having a good time. It's, a lot of the sets are small. I can build them in an hour or two. I mean, the, uh, Just before the show started, I was building the, the Batman 66 Batmobile, so which is my favorite Bat, famous Batmobile. But I've just been doing that. and I strongly recommend Legos to anybody who just needs to de-stress at the end of the day. Um, Lower Decks was great, but I'm going to leave that for Phil. Uh, <laughs> uh, what If was great. I'm going to leave that for Phil. I'm catching up on Disco. I think I'm up to episode seven or eight of season three. And it's been a season three has been a roller coaster ride of interesting characters. So I'm having a good time with it. Um, two things. Uh, Valheim, Bob and I have been having a really good time. Um, we got to use our, our famous catchphrase, which was going over there would be stupid. Let's do it. And uh, we have died a lot doing stupid things in the last week and had a good time doing it. Um, though if you get on Mumble when Bob and I are playing Valheim, you may hear some and creative uses of various uh, expletives all over the place. It's a lot Every of screen. Once scary. in a while I
1: tend to go off.
0: Uh Bob, if you're looking for a half hour show to watch, I would strongly recommend. I started watching it just I wanted something in the background. Arrested Development. It's a fun show. It's I I watched,
1: I watched some of it when it first came out and it just I know didn't you did. do anything for me. Did you I have you watched Shits Creek? Uh, Schitt's Shits oh. Creek, on the other hand. That one I may have to Shit's creek's
2: very funny i've heard good stuff about that's Creek. that's a very funny oh, show
1: and uh community and parks and rec uh yeah both oh my Those god are very
0: funny parks and rec i had a tough time with that Watched the first i'm sure it gets better in later seasons i've seen clips the first couple episodes did not suck me in and i'm wondering if i just have to like skip like the first half half seven or eight episodes and then jump into the show but yeah community had me by like episode two or three uh I think you will like Community, Bob. I would strongly recommend Community. So, all right, that's it for me, Phil. Uh, yeah. So, what
2: um, What If was fantastic. Um, takes a turn I wasn't expecting for What If, um, but damn, it was cool. No spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, I will never see the Watcher the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's definitely a meme that has been born out of that episode yeah um there's a there's a meme that has been birthed from the what if episode so with the watcher with the, a line from the watcher it's very good um lower decks was fucking hilarious um I, again no spoilers but the training the training regiment was like every one of them was from a, another episode of Star Trek somewhere it was yep absolutely hilarious um i think out of all of them i think um the medical one tandy's was probably my favorite (laughs) one i snort laughed when i saw that when i saw that scenario um rutherford's was good and of course the people who are like already bent about um that are already bent about lower decks like lost their shit over the um, oh yeah I saw a mouth
1: breather on twitter that was complaining they need to change the name of the show to uh to something else because there's no story there's no plot it's just a bunch of a, a bunch of uh um uh, call outs and it's like no Dude, it you're not hilarious. watching you're not paying attention
2: the um yeah there's definitely the mess, the mess hall scene is the one that like the mouth breathers have lost their minds uh-huh. over especially the Boimer pick, yep. and that's all I'll say. Yes, yeah, is. Yep. hilarious, absolutely hilarious. Um, that's really good. Uh, last ship, uh, I'm cruising through. I'm almost done with. Um, I'm almost done with season two. Um, boy, I like this show. It's mm-hmm. a little tense sometimes. I got like, I got to watch just a little bit and then put it down. Um, it is definitely its own Twilight Two Thousand. Uh, adventure mm-hmm. like i'm like watching it and i'm like oh i could take twilight 2000 and totally run this game like they're basically like they're the last ship and they're like cruising around trying to give out the cure and they came up with a really cool twist in the second season that there were these people that are naturally immune from the virus and they don't want anyone to get better because they think they're superior to everybody
1: yep mm-hmm. and
2: it's like and, and and there's this character lamenting and it's like I thought we'd be, you know, in the ship driving around with the cure, and everyone would be excited to take it. And there's all these people that don't want anyone to have it or take it. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. sister, Mm -hmm. you don't even know. Like, 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 man, the show was made like in the early 2000s. Like, you don't even know. Like that happened in real life, and people are turning down the cure. Like, whatever. Um, But it is good. It's good action. Yeah. Um, I've been reading more of Cortex Prime very interesting very interesting game Uh, i like the mechanics i'm fascinated with this toolbox idea that you like this this is not a game that you play by reading the book this is a game you have to build out of the parts that are in the book um and every core you can make like a million cortex prime games out of this out of this toolkit very interested um it's a very nice intersection of um, I would like to do a little game design, but I don't want to design a game. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I will build a Cortex prime game. Uh, so that'll be fun. And I very much have a, um, a preliminary concept called crash world that um, I'm messing around with that, that I will probably um, for fun put together as a Cortex prime game at some point. Okay. Here's, uh, here's,
0: here's my, here's my hundred hour question. I ask whenever somebody has a a, a toolbox, how easy would it be to run Star Frontiers? Hmm.
2: Well, let me not say easy. Can this game run Star Frontiers? Without a doubt. Are you going to have to do some work in order to do it? Absolutely, going to have to do some work. Like it's not no out of the box, but like, are all the pieces in the box? Yes. Yep. Oh yeah, I could totally run. You could, you could not only run Star Frontiers, you could have a lot of fun putting the pieces together to um, to to package it all up.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I would totally. Yeah, you could totally do that. Um, I've been playing Minecraft. Um, Schmidty has a new uh, mod pack. I've been playing it for a little while. It seems really stable. Uh, I do have to check one thing. I'll check it tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, as long as that mod's in there, and I, I just have to go test it. Like I'll just—I think I'm just going to creative mode. Give myself some. It's the thing for making Enderpearls. Pearls. Um, otherwise, we don't have a reliable way of getting Enderpearls other than grinding Endermen, um, which will slow down some of the other parts of the game. Mm-hmm um so i was like i like previous mods we've had the ender um ender flowers where we've been able to grow the pearls yep, yep. that that mod did not make it into the uh, that mod's not available for our current version so there was another mod i had that made these like vines that ender pearls grew off of i got to check to make sure that's in there that's um cool. other, otherwise um otherwise i'm ready to start talking to schmitty about um loading up the server
1: Woo-hoo.
2: um and we nice. can start talking about having a um, we can start oh. talking about having a launch night, um,
0: and and it's all that. Cut and we should probably. Valheim,
1: but I'll, I'll I'll do it. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. We can Val, Valheim can wait. I would do. I would definitely be up for some for some some uh, Minecraft. Yeah, I mean, we
2: need to talk about like. I I mean, I need to run everybody back through what's in the mod pack, mm-hmm. what's not in the mod pack. Um, some of the changes, things like that. But we can, I think, I think we're pretty close. I just need to, like I said, I need to check this one mod because if we don't have a reliable way to um, cultivate, um, if we don't have a reliable way to cultivate some ender pearls, it, it'll be tough. Uh, let's see what else really quick. Um, I did a shit ton of house cleaning this weekend. My um, my schedule had uh, also uh, on top of my weekly, biweekly, and monthly cleanings, Uh, I had the quarterly cleaning, which involved going through all my closets and making sure everything was squared away, which was good because I did actually fix a few things in my um, pantry and in a couple of my other closets. I I spent basically, I don't know, seven or eight hours cleaning on on Saturday. Like it was a full full day of cleaning. Um, And then I did more cleaning yesterday when quarantine was over. And then lastly, oh, we played NBA. We talked about that. Lastly, I was just chilling um, Sunday night on the couch and um stumbled onto on one of my samsung you know channels um 21 jump street from the 80s the um yep uh the, the launch vehicle for um uh what's his face
0: um Greco. <laughs>
2: no not greco nothing launched richard
0: greco oh, no, no, um, oh, no it's it's always got to be deppagrico Depp. it's always <laughs> got to be Depp and Grico. uh anyway it's, I, a, it's an old it's an old live sketch where they bring up, they would bring up on the news. They'd bring up pictures of both of them. They would go, "Dap and Greco Rico and Dap, Dap and greco, yeah. Rico and Dap," back and forth. So yeah. So
2: I watched a couple of episodes from it, and I forgot that, um, I forgot that like besides being kind of a cheesy cop show, and it was kind of a cheesy cop show, Very. um, there was a lot of stuff it taught. Like, like the episodes I watched were all about like the crack epidemic and like like it was like and i went and like quickly looked it up on um wikipedia and and then it jogged my memory they did stuff about hate crimes um eating disorder like it was like a teen show like it's cheesy cop show but it also taught stuff like it, it, it dispensed knowledge yeah um and i was just feeling nostalgic like i watched a couple episodes of it and i was like this is pretty cheesy but like yeah. In a good cheesy way, like I'm, I'm just enjoying my nostalgia tonight. Oh well,
1: look, here's a bunch of people that are
2: like 25 years old that they're playing high school students. And dude, I'll tell you, when I was when I was 16 watching that show, I was like, this doesn't seem very realistic. And at now 49, when I saw Depp, I'm like, he looks like a fucking child. Like, like, like yeah. it totally works. Like, yeah, when I was 16, I was like, no way, does 16 year olds look like that. Yeah. No, that's just Hollywood people don't look like yeah. like normal people. But like at forty nine, I was like, Johnny Depp looks like a child in this in in, in this in this show.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what it was on or when it was on, but I have never seen a single minute of that show. It was on Fox. I, I, I know. I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I I know who I know that the two of them were in it. I know the premise of it, but I don't think I've I don't think I've watched. Just, well, that I, was, was Rizuko and
1: Depp and Holly Robinson. Okay. And, super, Super
0: uh, super quick. The premise, oh, the premise of it is... Oh, I know the premise. I just never oh, okay. saw it. Okay. Yeah. So,
2: yeah, it was when Fox first launched. Yeah. It was one of the handful of, like, first shows on Fox, and it was their um edgy teen police show that yeah. was, like, about, like, high school life and, and and all that stuff and drugs and, you know, stuff like that, um, which for the 80s was, like, very topical, yeah. right? Like, it was, you know... I mean, that was Fox. It was Fox, yeah. yeah. So... But it was good. Like, I mean, it's not a great show, but like I, I have fond memories. I used to watch. It. I watched a lot of TV when I was a teenager. So like oh, yeah. occasionally finding that nostalgic stuff, um, I just kind of wax nostalgic while watching it. So anyway, um, yeah, so that's me. Um, yep. We should probably timing wise wrap yep. up and hit the yeah. after show.
1: That's Phil, cool. I've got one in here for you. So ready yourself. I see
2: it. I see it bolded. Let All me right. Take a sip so quick.
1: thank you to our patrons, Brandon, Michael Smith, Brantley Harris, Brian King, Brian Kurtz, Chris Steele, Cubano, Eileen Barnes, Eric Mengi, Heptilemma, and JT Evans. And thank you to everyone for listening
2: tonight. Indeed, indeed. If you are free on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. the Queen's time, come join us live on Twitch, where you can chat with the other listeners in the chat room for life and ask us the occasional question.
0: If you can't make the live show, check out our podcast each week, wherever you get your podcasts. Think of some of the other shows to the Mr. Mark Network, such as They're a Super Geek, Mastering Dungeons, Bonesaur and Obsidian, The FM Gamers, Panda's Talking Games, The Gnomecast, Jungkook Hustle, The Lounge, Bonus Experience, and of course, back episodes of She's a Super Geek. You can and should always also check out our sibling podcasts, Tabletop Bellhop, The Knights of the Night, and the always amazing Gaming and BS.
2: Before you decide whether that role hit or miss, leave us some feedback. You can reach us directly on the old-fashioned emails, mmp at misdirectedmark.com. Um, if you want to scream at us on Twitter for endorsing fudging, feel free. That's uh, at the show. The show and the network is both at misdirectedmark. Um, you can reach him at Robert M. Everson, him at GM Gerrymander, and I am DNA Phil. But uh, if you're going to yell about the episode, only use the Misdirected mark. Uh, One, don't tag us. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You can tag us, but don't. All right, anyway,
1: go ahead. Hey, if you like what we do here and any other shows in the Misdirected Mark Network, you can support these Patreon campaigns. Misdirected Mark... Misdirected Mark, word scramble. The Misdirected Mark podcast, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games are all at patreon.com slash MMP. Django Hustle is at patreon.com slash Hustle and bonus experiences at patreon.com slash bonus experience. Patrons of MMP, Mastering Dungeons, and Pandas Talking Games get access to the after show, pre-production show notes, musical parodies, the Bamboo Lounge, and other special releases.
0: <clears throat> this has been a Mr. Mark production, the media arm of encoded designs. Mic drop.
1: We out.